out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone, I'm very excited to bring this week's episode of Meet Me in the Field, our spiritual journey podcast to you. I speak to Erica Allison. She is a qualified psychiatric social worker, but hasn't worked in that field for many years and mostly works as a holotropic breath worker. I have done two of her sessions a few years ago and they were amazing. I always had the feeling that Erica has an interesting journey to share and I was not disappointed. Erica takes us from an Afrikaans upbringing in Pretoria to living in Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, via Cape Town to a spiritual community in Johannesburg. From there we travelled to Hawaii and Israel to name only but a few stops on her exciting path. To find Erica on the World Wide Web and learn more about her, go to her website which is www.breathingforhealing.co.za This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life and Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me in my shop at www.freddyshop.co.za This is Erica's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Yeah, I can, I can be myself, I think. <laughs> for, for some time. So we are recording. So we're starting and I'm saying Wonderful. good afternoon. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. How are you doing? I love the idea of meet me in the field, that um, <laughs> little poem of Rumi's who says Absolutely, out there there's a yes. field and I'll meet you in it. That, it's fabulous. That, that and very it. often for clients, I play that piece of music, um, yellow flowers in the field or something. It always makes them cry, you know. <laughs> so there's, there's something about a field that's expansive yeah. and open and free and fresh. Absolutely. And all, of, all of the things we aspire to, I think. Yeah, very, very true. So talk about making people cry. That is how I met you. You made me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Terribly. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) I will never forget that. Can you remember? It it was when I did my trauma course and you did some breath work. For the people listening, um, Erica is a, is it a something tropic? I can't remember the word. Holotropic. Holotropic breath worker. That's one of the things I do is holotropic breath work. So let's start by you telling us, number one, what is holotropic breath work? And number two, what what the other stuff is that you do? And we'll we'll follow the story from there. All right. Well, let's see. How do I start with that? What is holotropic breath work? (laughs) 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 Um, I I got interested in breath work when I was living in a community in Johannesburg and uh, a man came and joined us in the community who came from Johannesburg. And in those days I was newly married, probably in my early twenties, 
wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. I wanted to know about everything. I was living in a spiritual community, feeling very righteous and very holy and very good about life. And this man descended on us and showed us how to do breath work, lying down on the floor, listening to quiet music. And we all, as you said, Freddie, started to cry. Past memories came up and feelings came up and all sorts of things. And at that stage, I was doing um, counseling. I just qualified at UCT and um, I was living in Johannesburg and newly married and uh, working at the Johannesburg General Hospital in the psychiatric wards doing psychiatric social work. Oh, my word. Okay. So you're a qualified social worker. I'm a qualified psychiatric social worker. Oh, my word. But it feels like many, many, many lifetimes ago, you know, that I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there we were lying on the floor, breathing to this music, finding these amazing emotions that were coming up. And I just decided, you know, this is so much deeper than any therapy I've ever done before, than any counseling I've ever done before. It gets you to get into your being, into the feelings that are, are, are very deep and very hidden and sometimes that you aren't even aware of. Yeah. And memories popped up that you didn't think about in mm. most of your life. You know, I saw myself as a little child standing at school waiting for my mom to come and fetch me. And once again, she was late and I was the only one left in the playground mm. and the trauma and all these things. Yeah. And so I decided I was going to do breath work as a, a therapy. Oh, and wow. then I started to pursue it. So I worked with Breathwork and this man called Jeremy Burnham for about three years in Johannesburg. And then I decided, no, you know what I want to do? I want to go and travel and I want to take this work further and I want to go and explore it. Oh, wow. So I went to Hawaii. Hawaii. Well, nice going. (laughs) If if you're going to to go somewhere, why not just go to Hawaii and do it there? Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Uh, but so, Erica, what is the map, and I'll just go to Hawaii. Absolutely. <laughs> and it was so, in Hawaii that I met students of Stanislav Grof. Okay. And I'd never heard of him before, but he turned out to be the most amazing mentor in my life. And he is the beginner and the, the originator of holotropic breathwork. Oh, wow. And the, and the way it started for Stan Grof is he and Ralph Metzner and Ram Dass. And a whole lot of the early pioneers in the sort of um, new age therapies, for lack of a better term, they were all exploring, trying to understand the human psyche better. Okay. And they were using LSD. Okay. So they would give proper doses, medicinal doses of LSD to their clients and then put them into a space where they could be monitored and interview them and see if the LSD loosened up old memories and old traumas okay. for the clients just to try and understand yeah. what makes the human psyche tick. And oh. eventually in the States, LSD became illegal and they couldn't use oh. it anymore. Okay. And then Stan worked out a method that by increasing your breath and playing very loud music, you could push somebody into an altered state mm. without drugs. Yeah. So he termed this holotropic breathwork and holo means wholeness and tropism means moving towards so holotropic means moving towards wholeness 
Wow. And that was his thing. He started then this whole thing of holotropic breathwork. And I think today he has centers all around the world with many, many, many thousands of people who follow his work. Amazing. And, and it, it's been wonderful for me. It's been by far my modality of choice. Yeah. You know, I will sit and counsel someone and I'll be there. I can do Reiki. I can do trauma work. I can do counseling. I can do all sorts of things. Yehuda Tagar's work with psychophonetics. Um, I've done so much in my time. Good grief. But I always come back to the breath, Freddie. Yeah. The breath is, you know, the breath is your friend. Yeah. It's with you from the moment you're born to the moment you leave this planet. And if you can use it and learn to use it as a tool when you're stressed, when you're yeah. tight, when you're upset, when you're in pain, those are the times when we hold our breath. Yeah. The very times when we should be breathing. Actually. I hear you. What is, what is the theory behind breathwork? Well, I think in, there's, a, there's a lot written on it. And, and I don't know if anybody really has a full answer of what the breath actually does. You know, Wim Hof talks a lot about breath and how it changes your endocrine system and how it releases various hormones in the brain and how it connects to your feelings of um, bliss and, okay. and freedom and expansiveness. And then Stan Groff talks about going into the trauma of it finding out traumatic um, events in your mm. mother's womb, for example, yeah. or even at birth, if, you, if the cord's tied around your neck, or if there's some traumatic event at birth, or if your mother's had an accident while you're in utero, or if she's even tried to abort you, all of these things are there in the consciousness of the little tiny baby, although yeah. it seems to sleep all the time and you don't think it's, it's registered. All of these things register in us from, Absolutely. from the moment we're conceived. So we yeah. actually talk about breath work as a process from conception yeah. through the nine months in the mother's womb, into the delivery trauma, and then all the various milestones that you have to mark as you grow yeah. up, and what happens with all of those. You know? yeah. Did you ever do a trauma egg when you were doing your trauma no. counseling? And, and that's interesting that you're asking that, because what I've discovered is in my practice at the moment that I do need trauma knowledge. So I, yeah. I subscribed now during lockdown to a trauma kind of course workshop and I get yes. CP, CPD points for that. So I am actually oh, busy good. doing that as we speak. So I watched some a very fascinating video on Saturday about the first thousand days of the baby. Yes. Um, yes. Start, starting at the day of conception and yes. at, at after two years. And what a fascinating journey that is. And to see what... Isn't it just? Totally, Isn't it totally just? so. And that is. I mean, if you imagine a baby that's born to a couple or that's conceived to a couple that are four years down the line waiting for a baby in high expectation, that baby is the thrill of that expectance and that pregnancy is so high compared to a woman who's been raped yeah. and finds herself pregnant. Yeah. Those two babies have a completely different take on life when they come into this world. Absolutely. This is so weird because when I studied psychology at varsity, that was now in the 80s, one of the yeah. theories, don't ask me which one it was, um, I, I hated psych theory. I couldn't stand it. I failed it the first time I did it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the theories was, was about the 
baby's kind of personalities formed um, as part of the reason why the baby was conceived. And I read this and I yes. thought, what utter bullshit. Yes. Now I yes. truly believe this is so yes. true. This is so yes. absolutely true. Yes. So I've definitely we gained a little so bit. I might have had gained the marks, but I've gained open-mindedness in the process. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're disgustingly um, unopen-minded and disgustingly unconscious, honestly, all of us. You know, I think there is so much that we don't even take into consideration around ourselves, our being, yeah. who we are, how we came into this world. I mean, some people tell you that you choose your parents. Well, yeah. I've had a, a look at that one. I thought, well, maybe I might have chosen my dad, but I'm not so sure <laughs> about my mother. <laughs> and I, think, I know why I chose my mother, just so that I can deal with this bloody problem. <laughs> she was my teacher. You know, yeah. thought, okay, then. So it's, you know, we, yeah, who really knows? But, yeah. Um, if you stay open to all the possibilities, that's, I think that's my philosophy. Like to stay that. open to possibilities, yeah. you know, stand in the field of possibilities. There you go. There you go. So yeah. question yeah. about why psychiatric social work? Um, what, what got yeah. you to, to, to that field in your life? Yeah. I suppose it was trying to choose something to do when I had to go to university after school. And um, I've always been interested in people. I've always wanted to know about people. Uh, you know, I played dolls, but I didn't dress them up. I spoke to them. I interviewed <laughs> them. I punished them. I shouted at them. I disciplined them. I loved them. I kissed them. I hugged them. That was my connection with my dolls when I was a okay. little tiny girl playing, you know. Yeah. And I think I'm a communicator. I've always wanted to talk. I've always wanted to understand. I've always asked, why do people feel and behave the way they do? So I suppose for me to go into the humanities was just um, a no-brainer. Yeah. And social work um, interested me, I suppose, in that do-gooder part of me. I wanted to, okay. to stop the pain. I yeah. didn't want people, I used to cry because I, I knew that there were people going, my mother would say, why are you crying, Cookie? And I'd say, because I know there are people out there who are hungry. Oh, and shame. I hate the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to feed all the hungry people, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's always been something in my psyche that's wanted to, to reach out. And of course, I very soon after graduation, I worked at uh, Conradi Hospital. And then I went to Johannesburg and I worked at the Joburg Gen. And then I went into addictions. And okay. I worked with Dr. De Miranda at the addictions councils in Johannesburg at Phoenix House and oh, wow. spent many, many years in the addiction field. Oh, and, awesome. and eventually I thought, you know, I want to find something that goes deeper than just sitting around talking about the problem. There's mm. got to be a deeper spiritual meaning here somewhere. And breathwork presented itself simply because I landed up living in a spiritual community in Johannesburg yeah. and Jeremy Burnham arrived on the scene and came and taught us to, to do breathwork, you know? Yeah. Mm. And, and so I think from, from being a, a social worker to being a counselor to then going into the trauma work and then later on into the breath work. And now, I mean, I can do anything. You don't have to come to me for breath work. You can come for counseling. We can 
you know, use whatever modality yeah. there is that seems appropriate in the moment. Awesome. But I think it's nice to have a toolbox with more than one yeah. hammer in it. I'm with you on that one. I'm also constantly trying to expand my knowledge base, trying to do new things. And one rule that yeah. I've kind of got, I will never suggest something to a client unless I've tried it myself. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. So, so, yes. so I love ex- experimenting on all these yeah. new things and all, yeah. all these weird things that, that, that we're hearing. So yeah. did your husband think you, 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 no, wait, let, let's start. What? <laughs> I, I've got a question. <laughs> uh, he did and he didn't. <laughs> The answer is yes and no. The fact is that we were living already together in a spiritual community. Okay. So the jargon was already in the, in the cosmos, you know, around us. Organically, cool. we were already talking about healing and about attitude and about for the good of the whole. And awesome. I think, really, I think communal living is very, very healthy. Okay. I think it's somewhere real cauldron where you learn to put your ego second and you learn that other people have opinions and they might not be the same as yours. And yet you love them and you want to work with them and you don't want to argue. And it's a a fantastic space to live in. And I think it was a very maturing space for my husband and I. We lived communally for 15 years in Johannesburg until we eventually branched out and got our own home. And, And I remember the first meal I cooked for John after we left the community, I had cooked something like four cups of rice and I had a pot of rice on the stove that was quite big enough for the usual community where I was used to cooking, where we were 25 people around the dining room table every night. And suddenly I sat in this house with just John and I and this enormous <laughs> pot of rice. <laughs> so he ate rice pudding for weeks afterwards. For many, many days. That we gave it away, we ate it, we changed it into all sorts of things. But um, <laughs> oh, that's wonderful! Yeah, yeah. So and is, is he a healer as well? No, he he was a um, a man who ran when I, I met him at that time. He had a scrapyard business. Oh my so word! That's complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, next to Alexandra Township in in Johannesburg, oh, quite a word. rough area. Yeah, and. Um, and, but he was always a man who, who, who was willing with the most open heart to help, to be there for people, to support, to do his best. He was very good with his hands, okay. to do his best with whatever it was that he could do, you know. Oh, we eventually got divorced because I got to be in my bonnet and I wanted to go overseas. Okay. Uh, he was tied to his business yeah. and he just said, no, I can't go overseas at the moment. We had already been in the 70s, 1970s to the Olympic Games together. Oh, wow. We took a year off and we toured around Europe in a Bedford dormobile. Good Do you know grief. what I mean? Like a, a Volkswagen Kombi. Sure. Except that the roof lifts up and inside you've got a little wash basin and a bar, a little place to wash and oh, put your clothes. Yeah. And so which Olympics did you attend? We went to the 1972 Olympics in, in uh, Munich, in Germany. The famous one. That's the, that that's the shooting one. Exactly. When oh, the Israelis my word. Into trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Talk about trauma. Many, 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 I've, many I've got goosebumps ago. just, just, just yeah. hearing that. Yeah. You. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my word. So anyway, we did that and we toured around. We came back. And then I got involved with Pat Grove and a, a workshop called I Am. Okay. And this was the, the beginning of my, of my group work. Okay. He did a very, very um, 
good four, five-day workshop where you came in, you looked at your mother's issues, you looked at your father's issues, you looked at your fears, you turned your fears into power and all of that stuff. And I got very involved in that work. Okay. And then some Israelis came and did the workshop in Johannesburg with us. And they invited Pat Grove to go to Tel Aviv to start oh. the workshop there. Okay. And Pat asked me to go with him and a few others of us to start it up in Israel. And that was the beginning of my journeying. I then went from Israel after two years to the States. Okay. And in the States, I did every possible workshop I could lay my hands on. Werner Earhart was very big in those days. And um, I did a lot of work in the Mile High Club where you had to jump off poles that were up in the sky to face your fear and walk through icy cold water to face your fear. And he really wanted people to get into their power. Yeah. And, wow. and I did a lot of that work. And then I came back to South Africa. And um, by then, John and I were quite estranged. I'd been away a lot. The workshops had changed me quite a lot. Mm. And uh, eventually we parted ways, yeah. which was fine. And it's, um, mm. that's an it's such an interesting thing that, that you say, but by that time you've changed a lot. Because I find it interesting that society expects of couples to, to stay together for so long. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be yeah. completely honest with you, because yeah. as, I, as I explained to some clients on Friday, I said to them, you know, every morning we, when we leave our house, we, we arrive different people, yes. slightly different people that, this evening because we, we, had, we had different experiences. So year after year or day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, being, having different experiences, life expects us to, to, to still be on the same page. That's virtually impossible. That's really, really difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. I mean, there's that famous uh, saying, you're not the person I married. You know? Exactly. Well, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> I shouldn't be the person you married. <laughs> yes, totally so. And it, and it's like when somebody sees me and they haven't seen me. Maybe we were at school together and they say, oh, you look just like you used to look at school. I say, I hope not. <laughs> I hope I've changed somewhat since then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So did, did, did you grow up in Cape Town? I was born in Pretoria. Oh my, my God, the Pretoria, Macy. Yeah. I was born in Pretoria. Then my father, who was an engineer, moved to what was then Rhodesia, which is now called Zimbabwe. Okay. And I and, and we lived there for a for a long a good long while while he was building roads and, okay. and making and building airports and that sort of thing. And then I did matric at Rhenish in Stellenbosch. Okay. And oh. then went to UCT to do social work. And then from there got married and went and lived in Johannesburg, then got divorced and went, came to Cape Town. And in Cape Town, I, yeah, oh, my goodness, there's so much. Yeah. yeah England, so so did, you, did you grow up in a religious household? Uh, no. My mom and dad were Afrikaans speaking. 
But because we lived in Rhodesia, our home language was always English because okay. there's no Afrikaans in Zimbabwe. So we spoke English, although I don't think either any, I'm, I'm an only child, so it was just the three of us. Okay. And I don't think we were even conscious of what language we spoke to each other. Yeah. I think my mom and dad probably mostly spoke Afrikaans to each other. And when I came into the mix, we probably spoke mostly English. But it was very fluent in our family. It didn't matter which language. Okay. We, we weren't aware of it, you know. Yeah. But as far as church is concerned, not, we were obviously Dutch reformed by, yeah. by nature. Mm, but my parents were not eh? church going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my parents weren't church going people, fortunately. And, uh, and then, but in my high school years, I went to a private school. In, in what is Harare now, which was, which was Salisbury then. Yeah. And the private school had a chapel and we went to chapel every morning and every evening and we sang hymns. And because I played the piano, I had to play the hymns. Okay. And, and of course I got confirmed, but okay. it never meant anything to me. All I yeah. knew is that we could, we could drink cool, cool drink at confirmation day. And, and those people who weren't confirmed couldn't get cool drinks. So that's <laughs> about how, how deep my religious convictions were in those that's, days that, that, that's how much that's how much resonated <laughs> yeah and then after school i didn't pursue any religious thing okay. um, but but coming into living in in the community which was a spiritual community that was my introduction to alternative realities and to the alternative to religion which was yeah. a more um uh, a more what more eclectic kind of spirituality, yeah. something that was more about your attitudes and how you how you behaved and how you put yourself forward and, and how yeah, you treat others. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, living together with a group of people where you all think more or less on the same lines mm. is very um, corrective and very self-educating um, yeah. because nobody tells you that you're wrong, but you just notice that you're out of step because everybody else is going left and you're going <laughs> right. And if you want to stay with the group, then you do a little correction yeah. and you also go left, you know? Yeah. So it, it's a gentle way of introduction into, into an alternative world. Okay. which opened up the, the world of spiritual healing for me and all sorts of other things, which yeah. I would never have been introduced to. And, you know, today when I think of epigenetics and, um, and, and the idea where people are talking about your, your, your mind and your brain and the way you think influences your health, that to me is all part of what we were living in those days, you wow. know. And we now remember the 70s, am I correct? Yeah, 70s, okay. early 80s, I would think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And where was early this community? On, in Johannesburg, in four ways. Four ways, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which was where, where, um, where there's a casino there now, and it's all tarred roads and everything. In those days, we drove on, on um, gravel roads yeah. to get to our house. It was platteland in those days. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. I, mean I, I matriculated in 84. And, yeah. and, and that whole area was what was still very much platteland. You, you, yes, there was a little four-way hotel. sandwiches if you drove in that direction. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, bought, you bought sweeties for the road. <laughs> yes, all the way down William Nickel Highway <laughs> on the way to Pretoria. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you had to take a sandwich basket with you. <laughs> <laughs> totally so. And... Uh, 
There's something I, else I wanted to ask you specifically about, about breathwork is, I remember the first time I did the breathwork, I was completely freaked out because we were in this, in this hall. We were eight people and within five minutes of doing the breathing, seven of us were crying. And that crying yeah. echoed through that hall. I will never forget that sound. It was such a, <laughs> such a weird, weird scene. Yeah. And at some yeah. stage, you touched my shoulder and you said to me, go and fetch him. And you knew exactly where I was in my journey. Exactly. <laughs> and the second time we, we did breath work, we were the, exactly the same group and we arranged a, a, a private session. And you said to one of the girls, how many abortions have you had? You didn't ask, did you have an abortion? You asked, how many? Right. How the hell did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Freddie. Years yeah, of experience. Those are the questions, eh? Those are the questions, yeah. All I can say is it's years and years and years and years. I mean, I'm 72 now. I started this breath work in my 30s. Um, I've worked with it on a daily basis for almost all my life. Yeah. And um, how does one know what the questions are to ask? I just trust my angels completely. Okay. I know that I'm overlighted. I know that I'm blessed. I know that, there's, that I'm not alone in this work. I know that there are people who have gone before me who have done incredible work in this field. And I just, I surrender, I suppose. And yeah. then when I'm sitting with someone, it's just that ability to just be. I don't have a need to be clever or to find the right thing to say or to, to, to nothing. I, it's just an emptiness, really. Yeah. It's just a matter of being. And then a question will pop up. Sometimes I'll utter it. Sometimes I may not. Mm. Um, it's the same with the music. People will say, you know, that piece of music was the perfect thing. because, And it will be a piece of music that I haven't played in five years that something will just trigger me and I'll think, oh, I've got to go and find that song and I'll go into my computer and I'll play it and it'll be just the right piece of music, you know? Okay. So how does one know what question to ask? I think in the stillness, the question presents itself. Okay. If we can just take our minds out of the way, mm. you know, this is the big thing. And, so, and I love what I do. I, I, yeah. I love what I do and I, I've done it for so many years. And yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so, I haven't really got an answer. <laughs> is, that, is that state of emptiness what you would call intuition? I think it allows for the intuition to take root. Okay. You have to be empty. In, yeah, and when I say empty, what do I mean by that? It means that I'm just sitting by you and I'm just breathing. Okay. And I'm watching and I'm looking and I'm holding the space, yeah. you could say. And in that, something will pop up. I'll notice or I'll hear your breathing and it'll sound maybe a little thin and it'll sound like a child to me or and that'll feel like terror to me or okay. I may interpret it. I may say, yeah. is there somebody scaring you? Are you afraid? Um, can you hear that little sound? How old are you? You know, wow. these are the sorts of questions that may come up yeah. and if they're meaningful to someone, how wonderful is that, you know? Yeah. If it, if it touches a deep chord in someone and allows them to come into, to bring something into consciousness that they've been unaware of and then they can heal it. Because I always say you can't heal it if you can't feel it. Yeah. You have to be able to know and see something in order to walk towards it and, and, and heal it. 
Yeah. The unconscious is unconscious by definition. So if you're unconscious of something, how do you work with it? How do you heal it? That's true. You know? That's true. And in a session, if I can put my finger on something that can allow you to say, oh, okay, it's my inner child at four when I had that event happen to me that I need to go and explore, that's, that's a gift. Yeah. That's beautiful. Very, very true. Mm. Weird question. And this is now about me, yeah. not about you. So, so yes. <laughs> it's all about sure. me. So, yeah. oh, I am incredibly lazy about breathing. Yeah. yeah. Why, why is that? It, it, it's as if, it's as if, 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 if I, for instance, go through, through meditations, what type of meditation I will do, I will never choose a breathing meditation. It's as yeah. if I'm just, even those three deep breaths and, and deep ins and outs when a meditation starts, it's as if my whole yeah. body doesn't want to do it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, woo! There's a lot there. <laughs> Yippee! I would say my, my, my biggest hit on it would be that there was something that interfered with your breath very early on, either at birth or in the first day or two of your life after birth. Okay. Either the cord was around your throat mm. or you couldn't breathe properly or they suctioned you too hard and you, and you got a fright or something happened. You know, yeah. um, people say you suction a baby. I think it's the most, it's the most mm, violent thing you can do to a little baby because it's just been born and now this thing comes and it suctions in its throat and mm. it makes you afraid of breathing. It okay. makes you think that breathing is scary. It yeah. makes you think that breathing is frightening, you know? And if yeah. you've got that stuck in your subconscious, why would you want to go back there? That's why would true. you want to go and do something mm. like breathe that then facilitates that memory, that discomfort that you had? Yeah. It may even be later on that somebody got you by the throat. It may be a past <laughs> life that you were strangled to death. Uh -huh. You know, it could yeah. be anything. But we have to think about why is it that something as natural as breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, is, is something you run away from. Yeah. It's very um, interesting you, you, you said about the cat got you by the throat. Is um, A while ago, yeah. I worked for a person that was a really, really difficult person, overbearing and big personality. And frankly, the person scared me. And I eventually ended up with, 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 with my own counselor. And yeah. she said to me, Freddie, this person's got you by the throat. Ah. And, I can, and when she said that, I, I realized that I actually struggled to get the words out when I spoke about that person. And, and that and, means also that you were struggling to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this shit. This is amazing. <laughs> and can... This is now even a more interesting question. Now, this so, is so hang on a minute. Let's just stay with that. Now you can take that big, imposing, over-dominant uh, over personality yeah. and take it back into your childhood. Who does it remind you of? Did okay. you have a sports coach that was like that? Did you have somebody in your family that was like that? Mm. Did you have a servant in your, that was like that? Okay. Who is it? Yeah. Where does that association come from, you know? I will definitely give, give some attention to that. That's really mm. fascinating. Mm. Because mm. I eventually said to that person, I can't work for you. Um, ah. After ah. that, the, the environment is just too scary. Toxic for you. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah. we eventually ended up with me working. We worked remotely. I worked from home and, and I didn't have to be in the same space. And that worked well. Yeah. And he was still willing to come to you, even though you'd said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it is quite, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it makes, makes him quite humble. If you say to me, listen, I can't work with you. You scare me. I say, well, fuck off then. I don't <laughs> want to work with you either. Very much you so. Know? But he didn't do that. He yeah. which, okay, which, let's do it which, which proves that that is not really overbearing and scary. It, exactly. It, it, it was my exactly. perception of, of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always our perception, isn't it? Totally always. So. Very, yeah. very, very yeah. much so. Um, yeah. Back to, so I'm definitely going to spend some time on, on looking into the overbearing big personality in, in, my, in my youth. But mm. could developing asthma be a yeah. consequence of a childhood trauma like what we discussed? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because I'm an asthma, asthma sufferer as well. I can't breathe. Yeah. Asthma, we talk about I can't breathe. Louise Hay's definition of asthma is the joy in life is, is squeezed out. Wow. So asthma, asthmatic children usually have difficult childhoods. There's usually some very critical overbearing person in there that squeezes the breath out of them and they can't breathe. Yeah. You know, and asthma is about trying to grab air in. So mm. it's like, I'm not enough. I can't get enough. I'm not big enough for the circumstance. Oh, I'm God. not capable of dealing with life, you know. <gasps> all all so those resonate with me. <laughs> yes, yes. So what Amazing. we teach asthmatics in the breathwork field is don't try to breathe in. Breathe out. Okay. Blow out, blow out, blow out, blow out, because nature abhors a vacuum. And the moment you've breathed out all your air and your lungs are empty, your body is automatically, without effort, going to draw yeah. in a nice breath. So, so the breathing in will be natural, natural and you, you yes. don't have to worry yes. about it. But okay. people try to breathe in, yeah. and that, that activates the trauma where they couldn't breathe in at the time oh, when they were word. being traumatized. Yeah. And then they can't breathe in enough and they can't get deeper. And then that yeah. worries them. And so forget that whole cycle and just breathe out. Yeah. Wow. Human beings are not good at letting go. We always want to accumulate <laughs> and draw stuff <laughs> to us. <laughs> but when it comes to letting go, that's, and that's the trick. You've got to let go. Yeah. So, especially with your breath. If you don't let a breath, a breath out, then you can't breathe a fresh one in. Yeah, but I really like that because having done the breath work with you, I, yeah. I know the value of it. And I've been in groups where we did breath work, but I've yeah. got such a, because of my struggling with, with that, I, I'm kind of punishing myself. I'm telling myself, you're lazy uh, um, for, 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 for the breathing problem. <laughs> so so yeah. now I will definitely, if I, if I do breathing again, I will definitely do the, do the out breath and allow the in breath to happen by itself because it's yeah. going to happen yeah. by itself. Yeah, yeah absolutely, effortlessly. Yeah. The other thing is, of course, that we all walk around with a big fat stick. Some are more mm -hmm. critical of themselves than others, but we all have this innate inner critic 
that seems to come yeah. up and say to us, you're lazy, you're stupid, you're not yeah. good enough. It's usually a voice of someone. Mm. It's usually a voice of someone in our early childhood, you know, a parent or a school teacher. I remember one day waiting for Jethro at a tiny, tiny, he was three or four years old, my son, at the kindergarten, which was next to the class one and class two uh, teachers yeah. and I was in the passage and I heard a teacher say to one of the little children that's a very stupid thing to do you're very naughty you'll never amount to anything oh no <gasps> everything in my being had to stop me from barging into that classroom <laughs> and shouting at the top strangling of the woman <laughs> and I realized this is what teachers get frustrated yeah. too bless them you know they sit yeah. with 30 40 kids in the class trying mm -hmm. to keep discipline but I think a teacher should be a spiritual person yeah. because these are the early imprints that we put in. You say to a little child, five years old, sitting in his, in his school desk with this big human being bearing over them at their yes. desk, that they're stupid. They may well believe that for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. And, that, and, and, and at a young age, the teacher is such a Fear that, that we in, that exactly that, that that's the yes. word. invariably your yes. euro. And if your euro suddenly yes. comes with that, you're stupid. The message yes. is going to go so deeply, so quickly. Deep. Exactly. How many of us don't yeah. sit with those? So very, very yeah, this thing of early years of criticism. It's a big thing that we have to not have to, but that we are challenged to heal. You know. Very true. So this is now. We need to finish, unfortunately, because I don't want to do yeah. the, the episodes too big. But what's the biggest group of breakthrough work you've been part of or facilitated? Well, Stan Groff in the States does up to 800 people. Oh, my God. But, yeah. But what he does is he pairs you in couples. Okay. And then each one of the couple breathes and the other one sits next to the person breathing and that's the one you watch and if they want water you give them water okay. if they cry you mop their tears and cool. you sit and you watch yeah. so that he doesn't uh, he doesn't have to be everywhere okay. and then of course he's got trained facilitators so he cool. would have 30 40 50 of his own facilitators in the yeah. room as well you know yeah. um, for me i can comfortably do a group on my own of about 30 Oh, 35 wow. by myself and yeah. I would have everybody breathe at the same time yeah. and just trust that I get to the right person at the right time for the right moment, yeah. you know, and well, usually with all I your, haven't had with all your experience. Issues. And as you say, with, you just know where to go. I mean, when we yeah. did it that first time, there were two other facilitators. Right. So, right. so, so, so that, 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 that made a difference as well. I just wanted to reflect back to you that, you know, when yeah. you did, you did that breathing session at the recovery festival last year. Yes. Yes. And wow. That feedback from everybody after that, that was definitely the highlight for most people of that recovery festival. Oh my so, goodness. Um, I'm so thrilled to hear no, that. Definitely. As poor old therapists, we don't get feedback, you know, you yeah. go and you do what you do and you pack up your stuff and you get in your car and you drive off. And that's you, exactly what I wanted you know? to, to, to tell you. And this. then somebody says, wow, it was so fantastic. Yeah. It's lovely. It's heartening. To no, hear you, that. You, you knocked people's socks off with, with that session. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. No, good, wonderful. Good. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your time and beautiful energy that you brought to this, to this field. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was thank you. awesome it's been, to meet, it's been to a meet wonderful you there. Field. 
Yeah, and I'm so glad we got the technology to work for, for, for both of us technophobes. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> so thank you very much, Actually, Erica. I've been, wanting to do, I've been wanting to try and do some breathwork groups on mm-hmm. Zoom, but I'm just a little bit worried about how do I do it and how do I get everyone in their own home lying down on the floor yeah. and how do I talk to each one individually and things. But I have seen it done. So I oh, think with so you this can. virus, we're all reinventing ourselves, yeah. aren't we, in certain start, different ways? Just start small. Um, start small. They, they, yeah. they, then you will know if I can do two people, they, they next time do four, and then next time yeah. do eight. And up, up yeah. to a point where you say, okay, right, if remotely I can, I can actually keep, keep an eye on so many people. And then you, yes, yes. Then you know. Because yeah. I truly believe in your work, so make it work. <laughs> oh, thank you, Freddie. Thank you, Freddie. I believe in it too. That's the awesome. big thing. <laughs> Fantastic. Erica, look after yeah. yourself. Thanks again. Blessings, Freddie, and thank you for initiating this lovely, you lovely are. conversation. Most welcome. Look after yourself. See ya. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. I had so much fun chatting to Erica. She has such a lovely energy and is a treasure chest of experiences and professional expertise. I really rate her very highly professionally. As mentioned, I have been on the receiving end of her holotropic breathwork twice in my life and found it invaluable to both my own journey and my healing. I was fascinated by her intuition and can only dream to have my own fine-tuned in such a way one day. I really wanted to chat more with Erica, but it was unfortunately not possible. I hope to catch her again one day and get to hear more stories and learn more from her. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at at Freddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an I-E at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.